If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay at the moment? I hope you are. Uh, I am well, thank you very much. All well here. Although I've had to promise my mother that I won't use any more of the things she says in error. Um to uh to put on this podcast although she did say today i'm sorry let's hope she's not listening to this she said I, i've got this email with a document and i'm trying to open it but it's a psd and i can't open it it's a pdf yeah never mind anyway so yes i won't say any more about that um, the one thing i did want to say is that quite a few people are saying oh they've lost their reading mojo and i went through it as well and i'm not saying that this is the same for everyone at all but I found for me, when I put my mobile phone away in a different room, suddenly I was able to read a lot better, concentrate, focus and all of that. And I know that's a, a silly thing and a, a lot of us have much um, bigger issues to deal with. But just I just thought that's my tip for the day. Uh, the first thing to try, if you have lost your reading mojo, put your phone in a different room and see if, if that helps. Of course, if you were reading books that are on your mobile phone, then that may prove a little bit difficult and therefore then bring back the, the phone so that you can read your books. Oh, yes, it's that sort of day, everyone. Well, we have got some fine books to talk to you about today. Um, a couple that are absolutely brilliant. Um, some that are okay and one that maybe not i don't know Let, you'll see what i think as, as as we go along um but yes we've got five different books to talk to you about so lots to, to go on with and i've got the lovely facebook group to talk about we've got a brilliant author interview and also we've got a book box on opening which i am very unopening how can I say that? I'm unopening a book box. We've got a book box opening even. Yes, we're going to be opening it, not unopening it. Yeah, that that's that's the level that we're dealing with today. In fact, I should stop going on about what my poor mother says and, and laughing about it. I should just laugh at my own silliness because there's plenty of that to be get, going on with anyway. Anyway, um, so first of all, let's talk about the Facebook group. There's some lovely chat on the Facebook group. And uh, this time I just put on um, a photo of what I was reading 
and what I was drinking. So I was reading The Whole Truth by Cara Hunter and I was drinking a very strong cup of tea. Um, and then we had Sally, who's reading The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Stephanie Mayer. She was drinking a hot chocolate. Mm -mm. Uh, so we had um, the book Sleepless by Louise Mumford. That was being read by Rach, who was drinking peppermint tea. Um, the book My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell was being read by Elle and she was drinking quite a strong cup of decaf tea. Uh, we had 33 Women by Isabel Ashton being read by Shelley drinking builder's tea. Uh, Little Disasters by Sarah Vaughan was being read by Leslie who was drinking fairly strong tea. Uh, the Law of Innocence by Michael Connolly was being read by Laura who was drinking builder's tea. <laughs> There's a thing going on here I think. Uh, Pretending to Dance by Dan Chamberlain was being read by Rowena who was drinking coffee. Um, Anton Deck's book was, was being read by David, who was drinking coffee, and it was his birthday. Happy birthday, David. Uh, Grace is Gone by El, uh, Emily Elgar was being read by Carol. We had Mark reading The Apparition Phase by Will McLean and was drinking tea. Victoria had just uh, finished Every Breath by Nicholas Sparks and was drinking coffee. Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes was being read by Kate, who was also drinking coffee. Johan the, was reading The Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Um, Joe was reading The Odd Child Out by uh, Jilly McMillan and she was drinking tea. Beth was reading The Thursday. Murder Club by Richard Osman and drinking tea. Uh, Janine was reading The Catch by T.M. Logan and drinking tea. <laughs> it was great. A couple more. Tori was reading The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monk Kidd and Caroline was reading An American Marriage by Tiari Jones and she was drinking coffee. So I just love that. So interesting to see not just what books everyone's reading but what they're drinking as well. There was no gin unless anyone was too scared to say they were drinking gin and they just said it was tea or coffee. I don't know. But you'd be very welcome to join us. Come on to the Facebook group. Just type in uh, Quick Book Reviews podcast and you'll find us soon enough. You'd be ever so welcome. Um, now let's get on to the books because this is the interesting bit, isn't it? Which books are we talking about this week? So first of all, we have The Fine Art of Invisible Detection by Robert Goddard. Then we have Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. Uh, then we've got The Whole Truth by Cara Hunter. Um, then The Rosie Effect by Graham Simpson. And finally, The Night Circus by Erin Morganston. So quite a few books to be to be getting on with. And I am just so thrilled to be able to say that we've got uh, Robert Goddard coming on the podcast today. Now, Robert's books I have read for many a year. I remember looking at them when I was working in the library. So, you know, this guy can consistently turn out brilliant books, brilliant sort of thrillers, um, ones that keep you guessing, some quite technical um, and so they keep you reading and focused. And I admit, I was a little bit perturbed when I heard about this new book of his because it had been pitched as a bit of um, a complete a complete change for him, something so different. And I thought, oh, gosh, what if that means he's not going to be able to deliver the goods? You know, what if it's such a change that it's not going to be what Robert Goddard is is good at doing? Um, but I am thrilled to say that actually, yes, it's a, a slightly different central character. It's a, a Japanese lady. Um, but apart from that, apart from choosing a slightly different main character, sorry for the noise of my book there, got books around me, who'd have thought? Um, but apart from that main character being slightly different to what he would normally go for, 
go for. This, I think, is just classic Robert Goddard. Really well written, um, really well paced, good twists and turns. It just keeps you wanting to read it. And something for a lot of different sort of crime thriller readers. So whether you like a sort of a simpler story or whether you want something much more complicated i think it sits quite well between those two areas uh, so let me read you the blurb and uh, th then we'll go from there tokyo japan omiko wada does not crave excitement widowed young and living alone she works as a secretary for a private detective her life is satisfyingly uncomplicated running smoothly on office routine and domestic solitude but all that changes when her boss takes on a new case a case surrounded by shadows of the past a case that requires wada to leave tokyo and travel to london in London, Nick Miller never knew his father and was always told he hadn't missed much. But when an old friend of his late mother says there are things that Nick really needs to know about his parents, he can't ignore it. Neither Wada nor Nick realise that from this moment on their fates will be intertwined. Nor do they understand until it's too late that a perilous chain of events has been set in motion. Because Nick's father was privy to a dark secret that has only grown darker with time and now threatens powerful people who will do whatever it takes to keep it hidden. Um, so as I say, if you have read Robert Goddard's books before, you will love this. This is you know, absolute gold Goddard, I would say. I thought it was really good. Um, and if you haven't read his before, then, well, welcome to the world of Robert Goddard because there are quite a few books to, to go through. Um, most of them stand alone. Um, um, but while most of them are standalone, they all have the same sort of page turning, twisting, revealing of different clues and secrets and, and just really interesting characters as well. And it's one of those that from the beginning, you know, you're in safe hands. It, um, it just draws you in straight away and, and doesn't let you go till the end. Um, and yes, it really doesn't keep doesn't let you go to the end. Really good. Um, so enough about me wittering on. Let's talk to Robert now. So, Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Well, it's just very exciting to talk to you about this this book. It's built as such a change from your other books. And yet for me, um, was, uh, as I said to you before we started recording this, just classic Goddard, just super edge of the seat, turning the pages. But what gave you the idea for the book? Ah well, what what does give uh, does what really does give authors ideas? I'm I'm never sure about that. Although in this case, I think I've for quite a long time, quite a few years, I've wanted to uh, use Nance Cuke in a book uh, because of its uh, uh, very murky past. Um, so that that was the fundamental point, and then I I I wanted to blend that with something totally different, totally removed from that, which is why I involved a, a Japanese uh, point of view in it. And and what a key character she was, almost sort of an un, unexpected key character. And yet, I wonder if a lot of your key characters are sort of unexpected or have unexpected things thrown at them. I suppose they do. Yes, yes, they do. And uh, I think I, I find it very interesting to to use as a central character as they have uh, personal involvement in the story. They get drawn in further and further and to the point where they can't get out. Now, with um, 
Umiko Wada, she does have a, a professional reason for becoming involved, but nothing like to the degree that she um, initially anticipates. And uh, so it was very interesting to use her, especially since it's taking her out of her normal uh, sphere of existence, to which she is very, she's not a, she's not a, a person who wants to expand her horizons. She, right. she enjoys having very limited horizons. And yet she is forced to expand her horizons uh, by the story and the characters she encounters. And the tension that, that runs through the book, really, from the very beginning to the very end, is that something that you have to work hard to maintain or does it just happen as the, as the story is happening? Well, there, there was a structural idea here as well, which I wanted to uh, do, where part of the uh, suspense is, you know that the two main characters are bound to meet at some point, but, but they appear not to be meeting until we approach the very end. So I suppose that gives a certain amount of tension as well. We have two parallel courses slowly converging. Well, I say slowly, actually, quite rapidly <laughs> yeah. in the course of the book. Yeah. So um, I, I don't uh, no I, di I didn't find it difficult. Once the story was in place, it seemed, as is often my experience, to acquire a momentum uh, of its own, and it starts to um, run away with itself, really. And I just have to keep pace with it. So y these aren't books that you have to plot out in some detail, then? Do you? Oh yes, no, 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 no. Oh right, okay, sorry. It's uh, the homework's still oh. done. The story is certainly plotted out in detail. It's just that, um, well, there are two things there. One is that although it is plotted out in detail by me, actually when I uh, bring the characters and the situations that I've prepared for them together, they don't always behave in the way which I had expected at the planning stage. They start to respond to incidents and challenges in in ways that reflect their personalities as they develop in the writing and you see that it has to go in a slightly different direction but the whole um, uh, range of problems that they're going to be confronted with is clear to me at the outset yes uh, otherwise we wouldn't uh, it would be difficult to know where we were going but i know where they're going um, even though i'm not absolutely sure at times how they're going to get there Yes, I, I would imagine it would be quite hard to um, sort of cope with all the different strands and, and threads if you haven't got some plan in place. But uh, it, it's just one of those things that you have to revise. And as you say, when the characters take over, um, they can they take over. They, they acquire um, really a lot of independence. Um, and very soon the uh, the major characters become people in their own right to whom I have to defer <laughs> in terms of what they're going to do. I mean, Wada, although she appears on the face of it to be uh, quite a limited person, actually has a very strong personality and strong ideas about how life should be conducted and insists upon doing it that way, not always to her own advantage. Yes. Yeah, so I love the fact that she didn't just insist that uh, within the story, but but to you, her creator as well, that uh, she took over. Well, creating characters is a strange process because it, it, it's, it feels more like you're discovering them than creating them. They're, they're there. You just um, have to let them emerge. Yes. I suppose they are entirely my 
invention, but it never really feels like that. It feels as if they have a, an organic quality of their own and they step outside me and um, behave as, as they want to. And I think that, that if you respect them and allow them to do that, it's much better. It produces a much more authentic way that the story develops rather than insisting that they do certain things. I, I, uh, I don't want anybody to feel that they're doing something which they wouldn't naturally do. They, they are confronted with a problem and they react to it in the way that that character reacts, uh, not necessarily in the way that I would react. And is that part of the plotting? You know, when, when, when you're preparing to write the story, does the plotting actually go into quite a bit of detail or does it sort of more break down the chapters and what the highlights are of each chapter? The, the plotting goes into detail, not necessarily about the structure of the chapters, but about the background. It's more the background, actually, the detail of what happened in the past that leads to this point. The actual development um, from chapter to chapter is, as I say, dictated really by uh, just seeing what's going to, what, what is, is a series of asking questions, uh, what happens next? <laughs> there are these characters converging, what are they going to do? How will they react to each other? Um, what mistakes will they make? What, uh, what uh, successes will they have? Um, how will they deal with the problem? We've talked about tension already, but for me, the other element is pace, which is separate to tension, but it just, um, that the, the story just keeps going, that the, there's always something that you just sort of drop in from time to time to, to keep that pace going. Again, is that something that you're aware of or just because you have written these great thrillers over time, it, it's just ingrained? I think it probably does become much more natural to me or has become much more natural to me over the years. Um, I probably do less um, planning now than I did in the past because um, it's become instinctive. You train your brain to do certain things and uh, it starts to do it um, semi-automatically. So there's a lot of this, I, I, I do the same amount of research and background uh, preparation, but the uh, actual storytelling and the pace of it has become ingrained, I think, yes. And did this book take you the same amount of time to write as other books or because it was, it had a slightly different central character, did that alter the time frames? Um, I don't think it took any any longer. It uh, uh, there's there's a certain amount of research to be done, and some books require slightly more research uh, than others. Uh, and there's a so that that I don't think it altered that. No, I mean it was it it was it's strange really when you. When I read the book, that everything seems to be happening with quite a pace, as you say. But of course, when I write it over a period of months, <laughs> it doesn't seem so pacey because I'm looking at every single element of each scene and what it contributes to the next scene and which revelation is going to come here, the timing of which is determined by often things that are said, really, lies that people tell or revelations they can't for avoid giving. And the intervention of other people um, unexpectedly creating situations. Um, so uh, the, uh, the pace is, is really because of the, the amount of story, yes.
I put a lot of story in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very much so. Keep, keeps us uh, keeps us reading on. Did you have to make quite structural changes to the story, or was it pretty much set from the first draft? Uh, I don't really do uh, redrafts. I, I I do a lot of prep preparation, so I know I'm really I I think about a scene a lot before I write it, and then I write it. Yeah. That's usually it, apart from a bit of tinkering here and there to avoid uh, some problems. But there's there's no redrafting, really. I like the freshness of the scene when we come to it, as long as I know exactly what we're doing at that point, what the characters are doing. Yes. And, and for me, in the story with the, the characters, it's about sort of reputation and family and, and inner strength as well of, of those characters and how they deal or they don't deal with the situations thrown at them. Are, are you deliberately sitting down and thinking, well, what, what themes do I want to explore in my next story? Or, or is it just more about characters and questions? It, it's really, yes, it is really about, I don't think I want to, uh, I don't, I don't try to explore particular themes, I just develop characters and, and they then have themes which come out of their lives. So <clears throat> many of the uh, misrepresentations that people have imposed on the past in this book have not been done for malign purposes, they're simply trying to do the best as they see it to deal with problems that they have but they uh, inevitably uh, come back to, uh, uh, to haunt them in the future. Mm. Um, and I like to try and deal with all characters fairly so that there are no people who are uh, entirely flawless, entirely admirable, and nor are there people really, even the worst of them who uh, is not without some redeeming feature um, because I think that's more accurate to how people are. Do any of the characters follow you around afterwards, talking to you in, in your head, or when you finish writing a, a sentence or a page? Do well, I certainly miss many of the characters when uh, the story is over, yes. And uh, <clears throat> um, it's difficult not to wonder what they're doing now next or, mm, yes or or how things are going on for them although it could be fairly said that in this book I suppose there is a hint of an answer to that question at least uh, for uh, two of them uh, might there be for one or more of the characters a, a second a return to to their story we're not well, naming I, names uh, it's a bit difficult to say at the moment <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll glance. I wouldn't rule, I wouldn't rule anything out. Okay. I'll 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 take that. That that that's all I needed to know. I mean, you're you're a prolific writer. I remember when my first Saturday job was working in a library, and uh, that's when I first got to to know your books and and love them. But is there is there anything that surprises you about the publishing world these days? Um. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, what, what, what books work and what ones don't and which books uh, succeed is always uh, and always has been um, surprising. Uh, but then that's, that's the essence of it, really, isn't it? The unexpectedness of what in particular is going to seize the public imagination 
it seems equally as hard for new authors to break in as it is for some, I'm not including you in this category, but for some authors who have published many books to actually stay published. I, I, I'm certainly very glad that I'm not trying to start as a writer now because there are so many more problems uh, that you would face uh, in terms of finding a publisher. Uh, mm. There are fewer publishers. Mm. Uh, I was about to say there are fewer bookshops. That is, actually, that isn't true. There were just about as many when I started, but there were a lot more in the middle. Uh, yes. <laughs> so there was a sudden splurge of bookshops <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, but um, when I started in the early 80s, we probably just had about as many bookshops as we have now. Um, uh, but it was certainly, um, it, it would certainly be more difficult now, I think, to get started. The money is even tighter. Um, and as for continuing, well, all you can do, I think, is um, try to continue maintaining a standard. And above all, the vital point is to continue to enjoy it. Because if you're not enjoying it, that will communicate itself. If you have um, a time when the words perhaps aren't flowing quite as much as they, they might another time, do you have something that you do almost religiously to, to get you out of that? I don't know, not light a candle, but maybe, I don't know, have a, have a biscuit, get yourself out for a walk. Is there something that you do that just triggers the, the words to start flowing again? I don't have um, periods when the words don't flow. Uh, exactly working out what's going to happen next and well, that's more complicated and uh, there walking is a great uh, a great advantage yes it somehow loosens up the imagination but it can be combined with essential shopping yeah. <laughs> yes you have to be careful at the moment <laughs> it, it definitely does physical act, physical movement definitely liberates the imagination um and, and it just makes it easier to work out what's going to what's going to happen next so i'd be i'd be sort of talking in my own head about the characters and being the characters and what they're going to do next. Um, that's that's really a way to loosen things up. But actually, um, writing itself, I've, um, I've never found to be um, a problem, really. It's, that's probably why I've been relatively prolific. Yes, that those words just come in. It's the plotting and the positioning at the beginning that, yes. that takes its its time. Gosh, how interesting. Well, um, I hope that uh, the plotting and positioning still happens and the words keep flowing because um, I, I find I'm very grateful for your for your books and I'm sure well, I, well. that's very nice to hear. And so far it's still continuing <laughs> to flow. Long may it. Robert, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks very much indeed. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? It was just great to talk to Robert Goddard and find out more about him and the books that he writes. And of course, this latest glorious one, The Fine Art of Invisible Detection. So now we're going to have a bit of a gear change and we're going on to a book called Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. I'd heard about this uh, book on YouTube. People have been saying it, it's their book of the year and it's their book of the year for 2021. So already they were saying it's going to be the best thing they would read this year. And I thought, gosh, that's that's quite a punchy statement to make so early on. Um, so it must really be good. And I thought, I really want to to read this book. And in many ways, I thought it was it was excellent. Um, it's a sort of um, a mid-grade YA book, probably more YA, actually. Um, but it's 
a very interesting perspective. Um, Simone has got high school down. She's made friends. She's directing the school musical and she's making out with Miles, the most attractive boy in school. She's also HIV positive and that complicates things because last time she told someone the fallout was devastating. And when Simone finds an anonymous threat in her locker, threatening to turn her world upside down, she begins to wonder if the only way to rise above is to face the haters head on. Um, so, yes, it, it's thinking about it is much more YA. Um, it, uh, it depends on the age. It's one of those books where you should read it yourself before deciding whether to, to get a child to read it or not. I thought it was it was brilliant in so many ways because it gave me a view on how someone would feel um, if they've always grown up being HIV positive and how you fit in with school, with relationships all the sort of things that I just hadn't considered. So it was really educational. My my one issue is that I felt like I was sort of looking in on some of these um, situations that were very awkward and difficult for the main character. And it wasn't that I was leering in, but I, I just felt almost too close for comfort. But actually, I, I guess that's a sign of how convincing the book was and how it drew me in that I didn't just accept the situation almost sitting back um, I, I was I felt much more involved in the story than that and I think it's a really good educational piece and I think it's certainly something that most Y readers should read um, because of the perspective it gives so something quite different unlike any other book I, I had read before um, and as I say it just I just felt uncomfortable reading it. But then, you know, books shouldn't just make us feel like we're skipping through a field of uh, of roses. Um, they should they should make us feel uncomfortable because it makes us realise that the stuff that we need to to learn and um, and to develop. So anyway, there we go. Full disclosure by Cameron Garrett. That was a good book. Now, talking of good books, you just need to all you need to do is order this next book. Don't even think about it. Just order it. Um, this book is called The Whole Truth by Cara Hunter. I am sure you are well aware of Cara Hunter uh, and the Adam Foley series. Um, I'm sure that, that you are. If you haven't, this is um, the, the next book in the series just about to be published if the publishing schedules haven't been put back and it's it's absolutely extraordinary um i this i know i just said that some people were saying that the previous book some people had said was you know their favorite book of the year i know that this is going to be one of my top ones i'm not saying it would be my favorite but this is in in the top there and it seems a bit predictable because when I do my top tens like top tens in the summer and um, in the winter usually Cara Hunter is coming up there which is it is a bit boring but that's just because she's such a good author her characters are great she uses different type of social media in the book so you might have text messages or whatsapp messages from one character to another some of which you may know who they are some of which you may not you've got this theme of a podcast as well which is quite different in this book with episodes occurring throughout the story and that adds another element to it it's the fifth book in the series i believe 
Um, so we've really got to know the characters. And what I loved, and I actually cheered when I opened the book, was that at the very beginning, you've got a summary of the main uh, characters that run through the series um, and some details about them. Now, I am a very loyal Cara Hunter reader. I think her books are astonishing. And yet I do read quite a few books, so I do forget some of the details. So it was great to have this. Um, and it just allowed you to get into the story much more easily. Um, it, it, right, let's read the blurb and then we'll, we'll go from there. She has everything at stake. He has everything to lose. But one of them is lying all the same. When an Oxford student accuses one of the university's professors of sexual assault, D.I. Adam Fowler's team think they've heard it all before. But they couldn't be more wrong, because this time the predator is a woman and the shining star of the department, and the student a six-foot male rugby player. Soon D.I. Fowley and his team are up against the clock to figure out the truth. What they don't realise is that someone is watching, and they have a plan to put Fowley out of action for good. It's just it's just a brilliant book. It's one of those where you find, you know, if you've got to do jobs, you do them while reading the book. It's that sort of it's that sort of one. Um, it's one you just are so immersed in you get through it quite quickly, not because you're skimming the pages, but just because you, you can't let go. You want to find out what happens as, as quickly as possible. So if you haven't read the Cara Hunter series and providing you like sort of crime books then I would really recommend you get started and actually if you come across the whole truth and that's the only book in the series you've read you will still really enjoy this because Cara's very forgiving for new readers um, it's not as if um, she doesn't give you the the details that you need to enjoy the book as you go along so just re read it I thought it was it was absolutely fantastic and I'm going to have to give that book a very high score indeed so that's the whole truth by Cara Hunter Loved it. Now, the next one, oh, a strange one, Rose, The Rosie Effect by Graham Simpson. Um, now, I'd been looking recently at books, fiction books about autism. And of course, this is one that crops up because it was written some time ago and therefore perhaps more, more well known, more established. But then there was a I was getting a lot of information from people saying, well, this isn't the book to read. It's misleading. It misrepresents um, people who are autistic. Uh, it's not the book to read. So I thought, fair enough, I, I won't read it. But then on the my library audiobook app, it came up. Ping, we've got it in. So I thought, well, OK, I'll listen to it. And because I'd already got this book from some years ago, I thought, well, I'll listen to the audiobook, read the book. Let's get through it and let's see. Um, and it's the second in a series of three books. And the main character um, is Don Tillman. And, and the blurb is this. 41-year-old geneticist Don Tillman had never had a second date before he met Rosie. Now, living in New York City, they have survived 10 months and 10 days of marriage, even if Don has had to sacrifice standardised meals. But then Rosie drops the mother of all bombshells and Don must prepare for the biggest challenge of his previously ordered life, at the same time as dodging deportation, prosecution and professional disgrace. Is Don Tillman ready to become the man he always dreamed of being or will he revert to his old ways and risk losing Rosie forever? Now, in some ways, I found it enjoyable at the beginning um, because I could recognise certain character traits um, of Don Tillman with other people I know who are autistic. And I think it depends where you are on, on the spectrum of autism as to what book resonates the most with you. Um, 
But what I found over time is that I, I felt like I was being encouraged to laugh at the main character and that didn't sit comfortably with me. And the way he, uh, the character was developing, it almost seemed sort of pantomime So I, uh, yeah, it just didn't um, bring me closer to the book and to the character. It just pushed me away. Now, maybe because I'd seen these warnings on social media that it wasn't really representing autism that well. Um, I was convinced that the author was autistic, so he was writing from a place of knowledge. Um, but from the research that I've done, which I admit is fairly limited, but the research that I've done so far, it seems that he's not. And again, that makes me more uncomfortable. Um, so it was a book I'd already got. I've read it. Um, but I'm not holding it up as a good benchmark um, for uh, reading more about autism. There are elements to it that I enjoyed um, and I kept listening to it, um, but it, it didn't win for me, I'm afraid. So that is The Rosie Effect by Graham Simpson. And then last of all, we have The Night Circus by Erin Morganston. Now, this was a book club book and we'd seen people raving about this book. Even on the podcast Facebook group, people have been absolutely raving about it. People whose um, opinion I trust. And so I thought, right, this is going to be a great book. And when the book club said, yeah, should we do this? I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And so I even went and purchased um, the book with a like a special vintage classic cover on. So I thought this is one that's going to be on my bookshelves forever. I'm going to hold it close to my heart. It's going to be brilliant. And it just, it just didn't work for me. And what was interesting is when we had our Zoom book club chat, it didn't really work for anybody. And I just wonder if it was timing. And because it is all so much um, based on sort of unbelievable situations. Well, let me read the blurb and, and we can go from there. The circus arrives without warning. It is simply there when yesterday it was not. Against the grey sky, the towering tents are striped black and white. A sign hanging upon iron gates reads, opens at nightfall, closes at dawn. As dusk shifts to twilight, tiny lights begin to flicker all over the tents, as though the whole circus is covered in fireflies. When the tents are aglow, sparkling against the night sky, a sign lights up. The gates shudder and unlock, seemingly by their own volition. They swing outward, inviting the crowd inside. Now the circus is open. Now you may enter. So I, it's just really hard because I just wanted to love this book so much. And I think I would if I'd read it at a different time. And certainly because almost everybody in the book club was saying a similar sort of experience talking about a similar experience and reading the book I just wonder if reading a book like this which is involves a lot of imagination you aren't necessarily given all the answers and clues as, as you go along that you might expect with other type of books that to do that in this current very extreme pandemic situation is not the time to do that. It's when you're feeling sort of safer and happier, then it might be a, a book to start. I appreciate that if you've already read this book before, then returning to it now could be a, a great comfort because you've already sort of built that the bedrock, the foundations for the book. Um, but for me, coming to it first off, it just, it, it didn't draw me in. And I'm, it, it 
it's my fault. Clearly, it's a great book because so many people rave about it. But I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into the into the vibe. I couldn't catch the vibe. Couldn't get into the zone. Couldn't couldn't do the what's it or all of the above. Um, but let me know, because I'm sure there are lots of you that have read it and loved it and are probably banging your head saying, what is she talking about? Um, but there nothing, nothing new there. But it just it didn't hook me. But I can see why it didn't. And that's my fault, not not the author's. So there we go. Bit of a mixed bag. So we've had The Fine Art of Invisible Detection by Robert Goddard. Brilliant. Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. Great book. Um, the Whole Truth by Cara Hunter. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, the Rose Effect by Graham Simpson. And The Night Circus by Erin Morganston. So those are all the books done. Um, now I am going to do a book box opening. For those of you who have had enough and do not wish to hear me uh, full of delight and glee at opening things, then you've you've done well. You've lasted well. Stop here and wait for the episode next week. But if you want to join me for a bit of fun, hang around and we'll do that in a minute. So um, uh, there will be some brilliant books. There are, in fact, I can tell you there are some brilliant books to talk to you about next week. Uh, great author interview. Um, but let's get on to the book box opening. So here we go. We've got the book box club uh, January box, um, which is all very exciting. And uh, it's one that I love. Um, not all the books are ones that I would necessarily read, but I do. I do love to see what books they're talking about and all the bits and bobs. So let's go in. I'm opening the box now. It's this gorgeous sort of uh, aqua marine greeny uh, coloured box and when I open it first of all there's a leaflet at the top which is what they call the cheat sheet so it tells me what's inside and a bit more information so I'm going to put that to one side so it doesn't spoil it next is an envelope with my name on spelled correctly thank you very much uh, and it says open me last and that's the clubhouse invite so um, within a, a a month or two you can then go online and with everyone else who gets these boxes and um, meet the authors virtually and talk about the book and find out more information about them which is great so then if I move all these bits of paper sorry for the noise about this but if I move them off then they'll be out of the way oh I've just dropped some in my glass of water that's unfortunate never mind okay Right. We're in for some good stuff here. We have a candle. We have a, this is the first thing I've seen. It's gold. It's called Party at Gatsby's. Oh, wonderful. So the theme is the theme is at the masquerade. OK, that's well, I'm not going to any masquerade balls at the moment, so I'll go with the theme. Party at Gatsby's, um, a toast with a glass of fruit bubbly. Um, and it's this very gold glittery candle. I'm going to open it up. There's even more glitter inside. Have a little smell. Oh, that's very, um, mm, very sort of f fruit smoothie that's a bit sweet, if you know what I mean. But uh, yes, that's very nice indeed. Um, then there's the book, but I don't feel I should open that next. I feel like I should open something else. Oh, what's this? This is like a little notepad. So it's a little quite thick notepad, but it's sumpt sumptuous supplies and plentiful plans. Uh, make every night a celebration and it looks a bit like a shopping list so a long list not doing a lot of shopping at the moment going out having most stuff delivered but actually this could be quite helpful I could leave this downstairs and then people could just write on it what they want so I'm liking that that's very exciting now the next thing is now this is a sign of the times this is a face mask 
a book face mask. How brilliant is that? It's got feathers on and wishbones and books. Um, and I'm not going to open it yet, but that's in the same sort of delicious aquamarine colour. Then oh, we've got lots of things. Um, a Nevernight bookmark. Oh, my goodness, that's beautiful. So it's a silver, very fine silver bookmark. Oh, it's like a dagger with an eye mask that you'd wear to a masquerade ball. It's just very dainty and beautiful. So that's very nice. Um, now, next is, well, this looks like a chocolate bar, but I don't think it is. Um, it's called New Cow, like milk, creamy noisette, 65% less sugar. Does that mean I can have considerably more of these than I would normally. Oh, that's quite good. It says, you buy one bar, we plant one tree. Um, so creamy noisette made to make you feel good. No plastic, it's fantastic. Well, if it tastes like chocolate, then then I'm in. If it, mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try this because it could be absolutely brilliant. And the fact that they've included it, it must be really nice. But there we'll see. Um, so that was new cow. Sorry again for that, that noise. Um, now we have here, I'm lifting out of the box. This is, I just love these sort of things. Oh, okay. So this looks like a little tote bag, but a tote bag for books, um, which is fair enough. Or if you've got a little child and they're going shopping with you, not that really they should be going shopping with you at the moment, but if in future times when they could go out and take a bag with them, it, the quote is, for I never saw true, true beauty till this night. And again, it's got one of these um, eye masks on for the, the masquerade balls. We've got a face mask and an eye mask. That's brilliant. Um, but that's a lovely little tote bag because the handles are really reinforced and, and gorgeous. They're really um, uh, substantial ones. So you could put in quite a few, even if they were heavy books, and you'd be able to carry them around. So that's very nice. Um, and then we've got one more leaflet, Platform Teen Book Club. Oh, so this is a Y book club that Penguin are starting. And um, it's talking about there's a different book each month that they're going to focus on. Uh, so, for example, February's was Are You Watching by Vincent Ralph. Um, which we really enjoyed that that one, read that one. And there's just some really good ones. Um, All the Boys Aren't Blue, A Bad Habits, The Beautiful Struggle, Breathless, um, What Beauty There Is, some really good ones. Um, so how it works is that they're saying that you could read the book each month and then you can watch uh, online the author live streams on the Penguin YouTube channel uh, so you can get a bit more information. So if you've got some uh, kids that are sort of YA appropriate, who want to get into books a bit more, that could be a nice thing to do because they can read the book and then find out more about the author, um, which always sort of helps you connect more, I think. So that's very good. So the last thing we're going to do is open up the wrapping paper and see what the book is. Now, this is always very exciting. It comes with silver thread and aquamarine paper that I'm now ripping. Um, some of you really love the sound effects on this. I do get messages, so I'm still going with it. If it's winding you up, I am so sorry. But this is quite a book. Oh, wow, look at this. The Mask of Mirrors. Um, this is the first in a series. And uh, here we go. Fortune favours the bold. Magic favours the liars. Wren is a con artist who has come to the sparkling city of Nad... Nadizra with one goal to trick her way into a noble house securing her fortune and her sister's future but her masquerade is just one of many 
and as corrupt nightmare magic begins to weave its way through the city of dreams, the poisonous feuds of its nobility and the shadowy dangers of its impoverished underbelly become tangled with Wren at their heart. Um, this this sounds great. It's got a lot of pages in there. Oh my God. Well, it's, it's about 600 pages, more than that. And then at the end, it's had to include a sort of a glossary. It's got a glossary. So that tells me that this is a book and a half. And then it's got some extras in the back. I mean, it's going to be brilliant. Oh, and there's a lovely signed uh, nameplate there as well. Um, so that's very good. It's a big chunk of a book. I think if you're into fantasy, this is one that you're going to want to read. And I love the fact that it, on the front, there's this beautiful sort of eye mask, the, the masquerade element. And that's what they've carried through for the whole box. So that's lots of lovely things. And I think I need to stop now and let you get on. Um, as I said earlier, I've got some brilliant books to talk to you about next week and a great author interview. So look after yourselves and I'll see you again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 